0: Long History. The Third Voyage of Christopher Columbus. Part 3. Trinidad. Cultivated and high and beautiful. Hello everyone and welcome to Long History, I hope you're well. And the current document we're covering is the Third Voyage of Christopher Columbus and we've already covered the first two, but in this journey Columbus heads further south than on his previous journeys and so in the previous episode he suffered from the heat of the equator. This episode begins with a description of that heat, but eventually they reach the island of Trinidad. So here we go with the third voyage of Christopher Columbus, part three, Trinidad, cultivated and high and beautiful. The first day was clear with the sun which burned them. God sent them less suffering because the seven following days it rained and was clouded. However, with all this, they could not find any hope of saving themselves from perishing and from being burned, and if the other seven days had been like the first, clear and with the sun, the admiral says here, that it would have been impossible for a man of them to have escaped alive. And thus they were divinely succoured by the coming of some showers, and by the days being cloudy. He determined from this, if God should give him wind in order to escape from this suffering, to run to the west some days, and then if he found himself in any moderation of temperature to return to the south, which was the way he desired to follow. "'May our Lord,' says he, "'guide me and give me grace that I may serve him and bring pleasing news to your highnesses.' He says he remembered, being in this burning latitude, that when he came to the Indies in the past voyages, Always, when he reached 100 leagues toward the west from the Azores Islands, he found a change in the temperature from north to south. And for this, he wished to go to the west to reach the said place. The admiral must have been on that same parallel, or rather meridian, on which Hanno, the Carthaginian, was with his fleet, who, departing from Cadiz and going out into the ocean to the left of Libya or Ethiopia, after 30 days voyaging toward the south, Among other distresses that he suffered, the heat and fire was so intense that it seemed as if they were roasting. They heard such thundering and lightning that their ears pained them and their eyes were blinded, and it appeared no otherwise than as if flames of fire fell from heaven. Ammianus narrates this, a Greek historian, a follower of the truth, and very famous in the history of India near the end. And Ludovico Celio quotes it in Book 1, Chapter 22 of the Lectiones Antiguas. Returning to these days of toil. Saturday, which they counted July 14th, the guards being on the left hand, he says the north was in seven degrees. He saw black and white jays, which are birds that do not go far from land, and from this he considered it a sign of land. He was sick at this point of the journey, from gout and from not sleeping. But because of this he did not cease to watch and work with great care and diligence. Sunday and Monday they saw the same birds and more swallows, and some fish appeared which they called botos, which are little smaller than great calves, and which have the head very blunt. The admiral says here, incidentally, that the Azores Islands, which in ancient times were called Castellides, were situated at the end of the fifth clime. Thursday, July the 19th, there was such intense and ardent heat that they thought the men and ships would burn, but as our lord, at sight of the afflictions which he gives, is accustomed by interfering to the contrary to alleviate them, he succored him. By his mercy, at the end of seven or eight days, giving him very good weather to get away from that fire. With which good weather he navigated towards the west seventeen days, always intending to return to the south, and place himself as above said in such a region that this Española should be to the north or Septentrion, where he thought he must find land before or beyond the said place and thus he intended to repair the ships, which were already opening from the past heat, and the supplies, of which he had a large quantity, because of the necessity of taking them to this island, and the great difficulty in getting them from Castile, and which were becoming worthless and damaged. Sunday, July the 22nd in the afternoon, as they were going with good weather, they saw innumerable birds, pass from the west-south-west to the northeast," He says that they were a great sign of land. They saw the same the Monday following and the days after, on one of which days a pelican came to the ship of the Admiral, and many others appeared another day, and there were other birds which are called frigate pelicans. On the seventeenth day of the good weather which they were experiencing, the Admiral was hoping to see land because of the said signs of the birds, and as he did not see it Monday, or the next day, Tuesday, July the 31st, as they lacked water, he decided to change his route, and this was to the west, and to go to the right, and make for the island of Dominica, or some of the islands of the Canibales, which today are called the Caribes, and thus he ordered the course to the north, quarter northeast, and went that way until midday. But his divine majesty, he says, has always used mercy with me A sailor from Guelva, my servant, who was called Alonso Pérez, by chance and conjecture, ascended to the round top, and saw land to the west, and he was fifteen leagues from it, and that part which appeared were three rocks or mountains. These are his words. He named this land island of the Trinity, because he had determined that the first land he discovered should be named thus. And it pleased our Lord, he says, by his exalted majesty, that the first land seen were three rocks all united at the base, I say three mountains, all at one time and in one glance. His high power, by his pity, guides me, he says, in such a manner that he may have much service and your highnesses, much pleasure, as it is certain that the discovery of this land in this place was as great a miracle as the discovery of the first voyage. These are his words. He gave infinite thanks to God as was his custom, and all praised the divine goodness. And with great rejoicings and merriment, the Salve Regina was sung, with other devout songs which contained praises of God and Our Lady, according to the custom of sailors at least our sailors of Spain, who, in tribulations and rejoicings, are accustomed to say them. Here he makes a digression and recapitulation of the services he has rendered the sovereigns, and of the will he has always had keen to serve them, not as false tongues he says, and false witnesses from envy said. And surely I believe that such as these God took for instruments to chasten him, because he loved him, since many without cause and without object maligned him and disturbed these efforts and brought it about, that the sovereigns grew lukewarm and wearied of expense and of keeping up their attachment and expectation that these Indies were likely to be of profit, at least that it should be more than the expenses with increase that came to them. He repeats a mention of the heat he suffered and how they were nevertheless now going by the same parallel except they had drawn near to the land when he ordered the course directed to the west, because the land emits coolness from its fountains and rivers, and by its waters causes moderation and softness. And because of this, he says the Portuguese who go to Guinea, which is below the equinoctial line, are able to navigate because they go along the coast. He says further that now he was in the same parallel from which the king of Portugal brought gold, from which he believed that whoever would search those seas would find things of value. He confesses here that there is no man in the world for whom God has shown so much grace, and entreats him that he will furnish something from which their highnesses and Christianity may receive great pleasure. And he says that although he should not find any other thing of benefit except these beautiful lands which are so green and full of groves and palms that they are superior to the gardens of Valencia in May, they would deserve to be highly valued. And in this he speaks the truth, and later on he will place a still higher value on it with much reason. He says that it is a miraculous thing that the sovereigns of Castile should have lands so near the equinoctial as six degrees Isabella being distant from the said line 24 degrees. Having seen the land then, to the great consolation of all, he left the course which he desired to follow in search of some of the islands of the Canibales in order to provide himself with water, of which he was greatly in need, and made a short excursion towards the land which he had seen, towards a cape which appeared to be to the west, which he called Cabo de la Galera, from a great rock which it had, which from a distance appeared like a galley sailing. They arrived there at the hour of Compline. They saw a good harbour but it was not deep and the admiral regretted that they could not enter it. He pursued his course to the point he had seen, which was seven leagues toward the south. He did not find a harbour, On all the coast he found that the groves reached to the sea, the most beautiful coast that eyes ever saw. He says that this island must be large. A canoe appeared at a distance filled with people who must have been fishing and made towards the land to some houses which appeared there. The land was very cultivated and high and beautiful. There's a few things that stand out in this episode. We've already mentioned that the narrator of this history who is called Las Casas, liked to intervene in this narrative. Apparently he wrote this history while looking at the Journal of Columbus himself, but unfortunately that journal has been lost to time, so this is the nearest thing we have to Columbus's own words, but Las Casas likes to intrude with sentences such as the following. Ammianus narrates this, a Greek historian, a follower of the truth and very famous, in the history of India near the end. And Ludovico Celio quotes it in Book 1, Chapter 22 of the Lectiones Antiguas. So that's one type of intrusion, but there's another one later on which is more intriguing. And it's where Columbus, through Las Casas, insists on the importance of his discoveries on this third journey. He says, The discovery of this land in this place was as great a miracle as the discovery of the first voyage. And he also emphasises his service to the sovereigns of Castile, saying something like, he always had keen to serve them. Not as false tongues, says he, and false witnesses from envy said. So here we can see that the sovereigns are listening to other people who are saying that these journeys are a waste of time, and that the sovereigns have grown rather lukewarm and wearied of the expenses involved in these journeys. They want to start seeing profits. As this episode ends, Columbus has reached Trinidad, and a place he names Cabo de la Galera, which is Cape of the Galley galley being a sailing boat and I don't think many of the names mentioned here other than Trinidad, the name of Trinidad Island, have actually passed down to the present day. I think there are a few exceptions but not many so that's worth bearing in mind as you listen to this text and so we also have a strange situation in the next episode as we'll see where Columbus assumes that he's seeing a lot of islands when in fact he's seeing the South American mainland and then Las Casas himself intervenes to correct Columbus. Thank you for listening to the latest episode of Long History. I hope you've enjoyed that episode. And if you have, please do give it a like and share it if you can. Above all, as always, thank you for listening. This was the third voyage of Christopher Columbus. Point three, Trinidad. Cultivated and high and beautiful. Goodbye.